Genesis chapter 39 verse 1 Now Joseph had been brought down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, the captain of the guard, an Egyptian, had brought him from the Ishmaelites, who had brought him down there. The Lord was with Joseph, and he became a successful man, and he was in the house of his Egyptian master. His master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord caused all that he did to succeed in his hands. So Joseph found favour in his sight, and attended him. And he made him overseer of the house, and put him in charge of all that he had. From the time that he made him overseer in his house, and over all that the Lord had blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake, the blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in house and field. So he left all that he had in Joseph's charge, and because of him he had no concern about anything but the food he ate. Now Joseph was handsome in form and appearance, and after a time his wife's master cast her eyes on Joseph and said, Lie with me. But he refused and said to his master's wife, Behold, because of me my master has no concern about anything in his house, and he has put everything that he has in my charge. He is not greater in this house than I am, nor has he kept back anything from me except yourself, because you are his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? And she spoke to Joseph day after day, but he would not listen to her, to lie beside her or be with her. Good morning. It's really good to be with you again at St. Joseph's, and I hope and pray that you're doing okay. Before we go any further, we need God's help, so let's pray. Heavenly Father, you know what's going on in our lives, our joys and our struggles. Speak to us through your word by your spirit this morning, we pray, and help us to make sense of it all. In Jesus' name, amen. In these mornings, we're looking at Joseph and the amazing sovereignty of God and following Joseph's extraordinary story and seeing what we can learn from what God was doing in his life. This week, we've come to Genesis chapters 39 and 40, and I've given this the title, Good Times, Bad Times and God. Because how we deal with both the good times and the bad times we go through is one of the big challenges to our faith. Will we trust that God is both powerful and loving, not only when times are good, but also when they are bad? That's the question for us this morning. Last week, we heard about Joseph and his family. This family had been uniquely chosen by God to be the bearer of God's promise of blessing and salvation to the world. But despite this, Joseph's family was deeply dysfunctional, torn apart by favouritism, jealousies and hatred. And there is comfort uh, even in that. God does not give up on us when our own families get in a mess. But there are consequences of sin as well. And for Joseph, being on the receiving end of the hatred of his brothers meant being sold into slavery by them, with his father Jacob being deceived into believing that Joseph was dead. That was a very bad 
time for Joseph. But after that, things began to look up for him. So the first of my three main headings this morning is this. First, the Lord was with Joseph in good times. We're picking up the story at the beginning of chapter 39 of Genesis. So here's what happens next. This is verses 1 to 6. Now Joseph had been brought down to Egypt and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, the captain of the guard, an Egyptian, had bought him from the Ishmaelites who had brought him down there. The Lord was with Joseph and he became a successful man and he was in the house of his Egyptian master. His master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord caused all that he did to succeed in his hands. So Joseph found favour in his sight and attended him and he made him overseer of his house and put him in charge of all that he had. From the time that he made him overseer in his house and over all that he had, the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. The blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in house and field. So he left all that he had in Joseph's charge. And because of him, he had no concern about anything but the food he ate. Now Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. That is an amazing turnaround, isn't it? In New Testament terms, this looks like Romans, 20, uh, Romans 8 verse 28 in action. The Apostle Paul says there, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. The very fact that Joseph was hated by his brothers and sold into slavery has led to him ending up in the household of Potiphar, a wealthy soldier in Egypt, the leading economy and the leading culture and military power of the region. And there Joseph thrives. Potiphar promotes him to the point where Joseph becomes Potiphar's right-hand man in charge of everything with status and authority. And on top of it all, he's good-looking as well. So Joseph became a successful man with the favour and support of what we might call the secular authorities. Why did that happen? Because, as the Bible emphasises, the Lord was with him. Verse 2, the Lord was with Joseph and he became a successful man. Verse 3, his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord caused all that he did to succeed in his hands. And verse 5, the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. When things go well for God's people and times are good, why is that? It's because God is with his people and he blesses them and gives them success. That's true at a national level. There have been times in the life of this country when God's people, the church, have thrived as Joseph did, with growth in numbers and wealth and the favour of the secular authorities giving great security and influence for good. And when that happens, it is because God is with his people. It's true at an individual level as well. I remember my father saying to me when I was a young man, and he was in his 50s, 
that he felt as though he had lived a charmed life. He had a happy marriage with four children. He had a wide circle of friends. With his brother, he'd grown a very successful business. He got significant professional recognition for his achievements. He was a respected leader in his local church. He recognized God's blessing and he was thankful for what he had and he was right to be. He had a taste, you could say, of what Joseph experienced. The Lord was with Joseph in good times. That's the first thing for us to see. And then secondly, the Lord was with Joseph in bad times. Because, of course, as anyone who's seen Joseph in the Technicolor Dreamcoat knows, the good times did not last. Just when everything seemed so good, Joseph found himself assailed by strong temptation, unjustly attacked and persecuted, and ultimately falsely imprisoned. He was assailed by temptation as Potiphar's unscrupulous and immoral wife took a fancy to him. This is what happened at chapter 39, verses 6 to 10. Now Joseph was handsome in form and appearance, and after a time his master's wife cast her eyes on Joseph and said, Lie with me. But he refused and said to his master's wife, Behold, because of me, my master has no concern about anything in the house, and he's put everything that he has in my charge. He's not greater in this house than I am, nor, nor I am, nor has he kept back anything from me, except yourself, because you are his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? And as she spoke to Joseph day after day, he would not listen to her to lie beside her or to be with her. It's worth noticing Joseph's strategy here for avoiding falling into temptation when it jumps out at you. One, know what's right ahead of time and before the temptation bites. Two, keep God in view. It's very striking what Joseph says to Potiphar's wife. How can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? In the heat of the moment, his mind immediately turns not so much to his master Potiphar, but to what God thinks about this and his duty towards God. The way people think in a crisis is shaped not in that moment of urgency, but in all the years of relative tranquility before the crisis hits. It's clear that Joseph's faith in God is at the very heart of his thinking and of his life. And three, in the light of that, don't listen to the temptation. Verse 10, and as Potiphar's wife spoke to Joseph day after day, he would not listen to her. The onslaught of temptation was relentless, but because of his faith in God, Joseph was having none of it. But he paid a high price for his faith and for his integrity. He angered his tempter by not giving in, and she then attacked and unjustly accused him, 
She deliberately sought to destroy him. She knew exactly what she was doing. She lied and lied and lied again. And she got what she wanted. Potiphar believed her. A wiser man would surely have had more insight into which of these two was more trustworthy, but he didn't. So he was understandably angry, thinking that Joseph had taken advantage of the favour that he'd shown him. And he had Joseph thrown into prison. Chapter 39, verse 20. And Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. And he was there in prison. Now, all through that account of Joseph's temptation, persecution and being sent to prison, there's no mention of what God is doing. It's a reminder that when times are bad, it often feels as if God's not there anymore. But not so. The very next verse after Joseph's imprisonment, verse 21, has this to say. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him steadfast love and gave him favour in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And Joseph ends up running the prison just as he'd been in charge of Potiphar's household. Why? Verse 23. Because the Lord was with Joseph and whatever he did, the Lord made it succeed. But that's not saying that the Lord had been with Joseph when he was on the top and when he was on the up and then the Lord disappeared when everything went pear-shaped and then the Lord reappeared and things started looking up again. No, the Lord showed Joseph steadfast love, that is unwavering love and faithfulness to his promise. Even as everything was falling apart, God was there. He was carrying Joseph through. And he was working out his good purposes, even through the evil that was done to Joseph. That is the amazing sovereignty of God. We can look ahead and see that God was using these events to get Joseph not just into a soldier's household, but right to the very top, to the notice of Pharaoh himself and into the royal court. That's what chapter 40 sets up with its account of Joseph in prison and the two dreams of the king's cupbearer and baker who are in prison with him and Joseph's God-given interpretations of those dreams. And chapter 40 still ends with Joseph forgotten in prison, but the scene is set for God's next big move in Joseph's life. That's for the future. Come back and hear more about that. We don't see that yet. We don't see that in the midst of the bad times. God's purposes only become clear later on. But the Lord is there and it takes faith to know it. The kind of faith that the Apostle Paul shows when he writes the joyful letter to the Philippians when he's in prison and with his life in danger. He knew that the crucifixion of Jesus came before his resurrection and that the pattern of suffering before glory was the pattern of the normal life for those who follow a crucified 
and risen Saviour. So he wrote, this is Philippians chapter 1, verses 12 and then 18. I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. Yes, and I will rejoice. I was telling you about my father's apparently charmed life. Well, around the time when he hit the age of 60, the good times turned bad for my dad. He had to have a serious heart operation. His business collapsed. He lost most of his money. His relationship with his brother sadly broke down. Then his spine also started to collapse and he ended up paraplegic and in a wheelchair. But he never lost sight of the fact that the Lord was with him. I was impressed by his earlier achievements in the good times, although if anything they were a bit intimidating, so it didn't really help me. But in the end, what made an even deeper impression on me, by God's grace, was his resolutely cheerful faith, even in the bad times. Point one, the Lord was with Joseph in good times. Point two, the Lord was with Joseph in the bad times. Finally, and here is the obvious application, thirdly, the Lord is with us in good times and bad. We find it all too easy to lose sight of God in both good times and in bad for different reasons. In the good times, it's easy to become complacent and forget God. In the bad times, it's easy to become bitter and turn away from God. So what's the antidote for us? How can we hold fast to the certain knowledge that the Lord is with us in good times and bad? Well, here are three things that Joseph did and that we should do too. One, trust God no matter what. He is both powerful and loving, and that is always true trust him. Two, obey God no matter what. Build habits of godly integrity when the going's easier and then follow Joseph's example when the crunch comes. And three, watch, wait and see what God will do. A bit of it we'll see during these earthly lives of ours. Most of it will have to wait for heaven. Joseph has no clear idea that in all that he went through, God was ultimately preparing the way for the coming of Jesus, the saviour of the world. But the Lord was using Joseph and he will use us too in the good times and in the bad times. If we trust him, obey him, watch and wait. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we know we can't do these things on our own. So please help us to know that you are with us in the good times and in bad. Deepen our faith, Lord, we pray, 
deepen our faith in the Lord Jesus. By your Holy Spirit, give us grace to trust you, to obey you, and to watch and wait no matter what. In Jesus' name and for his glory. Amen.